0: Welcome to this episode of Tea with Triggy. It's great to have you here. This is a podcast where I catch up with friends and people that I find fascinating. I check that they're doing okay and ask for tips to help us stay at home more comfortable. My guest this week is undeniably the first lady of British musical theatre. She has starred in some of the West End's best known shows including Evita and Chess, not to mention originating the role of Grisabella in Cats. She has won numerous awards for her theatre roles and has the most beautiful voice and the best giggle. I'm delighted to be having a cup of tea with the lovely Elaine Page. Elaine, hello. Thank you for having tea with me. Tea with twigs. What could be better?
1: Uh, What tea are you drinking? I'm drinking uh, my favourite tea. Uh, It's PG Tips.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh! Builder's tea. That's it. The Builder's, yes. The Builder's favourites. Are are you a tea drinker or you kind of tend to go for coffee? No,
1: I never drink coffee. I am very much a tea drinker. I love the smell of coffee, but... Unfortunately, if I drink it, which I do on occasion, rarely, uh, because it makes me nauseous for some reason. But I love like, the smell of it. I
0: I get heartburn. Which is interesting. I can't drink coffee. No, I, I don't either really. I'm 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 a tea girl. Me too. It's funny because I mean We've known each other for quite a long time. We've, we've had this discussion that we actually should have known each other as kids because we're, our backgrounds are pretty similar, aren't they?
1: They are because we're both, um, well, North London, aren't we? Um, we're, yes, we're Londoners. You're a little further east, I think, than me. I was born and brought up in
0: Barnet in Hertfordshire. Uh, oh, okay. No, I was I was Northwest London. I was in near the football. Oh, right. you're Wembley.
1: west of me then.
0: Yes, Yeah.
1: But that's not so far, is it? Between us, really. No,
0: but I we didn't know each other because we are roughly the same age, I think. And um, and I didn't go to drama school, which you did. You went to a theatrical school, didn't you? I no, I, I went to a state
1: school originally.
0: I went mm-hmm. to uh, an all girls.
1: Secondary modern school um, in the Whetstone, and my whole schooling, my uh, my entire life was at, at state school. And then, when I was sixteen, I left that school and went to Ada Foster, which was a um, a drama school in uh, Temple Fortune, uh, near Golders Green. And I went there at the age of sixteen, and I did a three year students course there of dance and drama. So I'd already completed my so-called education. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, were you thinking you wanted to go into musical theatre at that point? I knew that I wanted, yes. I, I think
1: I by then, by the time I was 16, having uh, had a most marvellous uh, music teacher at uh, my uh, Southall Secondary Modern Girls' School, her name was Anne Hill, and uh, she was you know, quite wonderful in the fact that she taught us musical appreciation and uh, taught us to read music and turned us on really to the classics, the classical writers like Handel and Mozart and so on. And she would put on rather ambitious um, productions at the end of school term like Handel's Messiah and things like that. Mm. And um, I remember we did a production of The Boy Mozart and I played Susanna. And it was sort of a compilation of um, Mozart's hits, I suppose you'd say. It was like Mama Mia uh, is today. It was we called it, we would have called it Mama Mozart because it was a, <laughs> a compilation of his hits. And I played Susanna and I had a wonderful aria, a solo to sing. And I was that was really the beginnings for me. I think that's when I really knew that this is what I wanted to do, I wanted to to be able to sing in musical theatre. And then, of course, on top of that, um, the girls that were older than me, they were the year above me, the sixth form, they had an album of um, West Side Story. And mm. uh, so they said to me, did I want to go to, to their dorm? You know, they has like a prefix room. Did I want to go to their dorm and listen to this um, to this album? And and it was having done that, plus this wonderful teacher, Anne Hill, um, and learning, you know, Mozart and, and the and things like this, that sort of turned me on to the whole idea.
0: When did you realise you had that voice, that famous, famous voice? Did you know from a very young age you could sing?
1: I knew I liked to sing. I didn't know I had any particular kind of voice in any way, but I knew I enjoyed singing. I loved assembly uh, every every morning at school. You know, we used to—I don't know if they still do it today—but we would every morning stand and sing hymns, and then be a dissertation, and the headmistress would um, read something from the Bible. And I always enjoyed those gatherings first thing in the morning. And I was teased very much. As a as a young student at school, all my contemporaries would say, "Yeah, go on, sing out, Bix, you know, sing out, Titch." <laughs> they would mock me because I did used to sing out with gusto because I loved it. I loved the I loved singing, uh, but it was Anne Hill really, and through her teaching and and uh, these ambitious uh, productions at the end of term, that's what consolidated the knowledge in me that I knew I loved to sing and that wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to be able to do that for a living, you know.
0: It's interesting because I ask everyone that I've been talking to if there was a special person in their life that changed their life or inspired them and actually you've answered that. Well, she was
1: definitely one. There have been several in my life but she was the first, I would say, um, that really... I suppose it was through her and her um in, she inspired me really and uh, and gave me the confidence and I think um I knew from the way she would give me the odd solo here and there that she obviously felt that I had something uh, had a voice of some sort and um yeah so that, that it, she was definitely the first
0: yeah I th- I actually think that you actually hit the nail on the head when you said she inspired you, but she gave you the confidence because my special person was Ken Russell, the film director who sadly is not with us anymore. And when he cast me in The Boyfriend, because, you know, I was happily modelling. I was I was doing very well. Yeah, you were indeed. <laughs> I didn't you really. You're an I icon. Didn't really, <laughs> I didn't really think of not doing that. And then I met Ken and he, he inspired me because he gave me the confidence because I was really nervous. You know, I'd never acted I'd never sung or danced apart from at school and it's interesting that if you have somebody that you look up to and that you admire if they are saying to you you can do it it, it really makes all the difference I think. Absolutely correct and
1: uh, in this um, the boy Mozart the aria I had I had to sing was something called uh, De Vieni. Non, tada, and that is the famous aria that Susanna sings in the Marriage of Figaro. And um, yeah, I mean, who would have thought that I could, well, uh, oh, singing in a foreign language as well, um, at w- once so young? I was probably only about fifteen years old, and I've somewhere I've got a recording <laughs> of, of me uh, of, of this particular performance that uh, she obviously recorded the whole thing and in latter years because i'm still in touch with her are you yeah she's well into her 80s now but oh. uh, on an odd occasion we go out for lunch together and reminisce about those days and uh, and she presented me with a copy of of uh,
0: of a you know cassette of me singing this oh. this aria which, she must be so proud of you my goodness
1: well, it's, it uh, you know, everybody's got to start somewhere, I suppose. And as you That's said, true. we all need that one person just to give you the nudge and give exactly. you the confidence and, and tell you that, yes, you can.
0: So, you're, am I right in saying your first time in the West End was in hair? Is that right?
1: Um yeah, I uh, yes, I think that's absolutely true. I mean I had worked in other theatres, you know,
0: yeah.
1: um, but not actually in the West End until here. And it was nineteen the end of the year, nineteen sixty seven. Oh, my goodness me, all those years ago. At the Shaftesbury Theatre. Yep. That was I was very much in the chorus, um, but so happy to be part of that particular show because it was innovative, you know. And I say it
0: was groundbreaking. It was wasn't it?
1: groundbreaking, absolutely, and it encompassed everything that I think of now as part of the '60s of, of that era. Of we thought we were going to change the world, didn't we? I
0: know. <laughs> we, did. we did for a little bit. We and did it
1: kind of, for a while. We did. Some of it went a
0: bit wrong, but some of it didn't.
1: <laughs> well, maybe some of it now is coming back. You know, I was only thinking recently you know where is that where is that ideal gone where where is the love for one another and the kindness and uh where where's all that gone and uh in fact a, a concert tour that i'm doing at the moment or I have been doing for the last couple of years is all about that really saying about you know it's all to do with those songs from that period because mm-hmm. it was all very much about you know allowing one to be oneself and and not hurting anybody and the I Ching and all the wonderful philosophy that we used to hang on to in those days, was all about allowing each other the freedoms and to express oneself as long as you didn't hurt anyone. That was the yeah, idea. Be free exactly. to do whatever you want, as long as you don't hurt anybody. And, and these concepts that I've been giving of late, it sort of saddened me to have to say, where is that? Where is that ideal gone? And of course, now, I think that is very much coming back to the fore, that idea of of um, people sort of checking each other out and, and saying, are you all right? And can I get you shopping? And can I help in any way?
0: But what's interesting is it. it I think when we do come out of this, inevitably we will. I don't know how long it's going to take. But it. I think people will have a different attitude to each other because of, what's happened and that's what i hope i think you're out.
1: right i mean that's what i was trying to say i think really in the fact that this this covid 19 thing it's impacted us hasn't it it's impacted the whole world actually in such an unprecedented kind of way and each of us are having to face up really to to our own individual uh challenges and uh mm-hmm. and i think really what i'm trying to say is that we're all trying to adapt aren't we yeah. to to our own well loss of freedoms for a start and uh you know loss of contact with friends and uh, and to a very much slower pace of yeah. life
0: yeah i think our lives were getting so fast there was never time to do anything there was never time to see everybody oh because everyone's so busy and we've got to do this and we've got to do that we've been forced, forced. now to stop yes we, we can't go out and that's part right from, you know a bit of exercise and actually uh you were saying and i was talking to chris biggins earlier and he was saying he's actually quite enjoying that because you you start to re-look at things that you'd never had time for before.
1: Absolutely right. I agree with him. Um, right from the off, really, I have really rather enjoying the slower pace of life, the idea that we've now got time to kind of stop and smell the roses, as it were. <laughs> and uh, and on the positive side, I think it's allowing us uh, you know, to be more creative. If you've feel in the mood and to learn new skills and things, which I've been doing with a computer. I mean, like this, for have example. You know, yes. And I've learned how to download and get on Zoom. I mean, these are things I would never have dreamt I could do before. You know, self-taping, I've done a bit of that for fun to try and cheer cheer everybody up. You know, video communication like this uh, and with friends. It's it's been a bit of an eye-opener, really. And and instilled in me the idea again that you know if you if you try hard enough, you can achieve these things that prior. I might have thought oh i can 't do that but but now there 's no choice in a way it 's pushed you forced one into uh, having to try and give everything a, a go yeah well I,
0: I I actually downloaded an app the other day of teach yourself piano because <laughs> i took I took some piano lessons about twenty years ago for about two months because um, there was a guy in our building who was a piano teacher and I and we have got a nice piano. I thought I've always, I can read music and, I, you know, I, I love songs, but I could never play the piano. So I started to take them and then we went to America for like four months, so it all fell apart. But I thought now's the perfect time because they've, they've got these apps you can go on. I didn't know that. Simple piano or something, I think it's called. And how are you getting on with it? Is it easy I'm or not? It. I've downloaded the <laughs> app.
1: <laughs> well done. She's downloaded the app. Well, I tell you what. You talking about piano? It's really interesting because I've got a beautiful grand piano here, oh, and, nice. um, and so I got out all my early, uh, like they're like sort of school early learning books, school books. Of, of teaching yourself to play the piano, well, there you go. and uh, so I didn't know about the app. I didn't think of that. You see, I never think yeah. first about finding it out on the computer. But now you've said that, I'm definitely going to give it a go. Uh,
0: I think there's a few. If you go into your app store, uh, there's a few. But I think I'd been told that the, one of the best ones is this Simple Piano. Oh,
1: I'm going to write it down. I think it's called Simple oh. Simple Piano. Mm. We can
0: get together for a duet. Oh, darling. <laughs>
1: There'll be no holding us. (laughs) We'll be in a band soon. (laughs) But it is interesting how, you know, hobbies and things like that and things that you think you've never got time for. That's the thing, isn't it? Reading. I mean, I've got lots and lots of wonderful books here. I'm a bit of one of those that I read... um, in the times or the telegraph, uh, books that are coming out. And I love to read, mm-hmm. read the reviews and often uh, would read reviews of whatever book it was or whatever and think, Oh, I'll get that. I'd like to read that and go and buy the thing. And then of course it's on the bookshelf here. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably never, never been opened. So that is a wonderful thing. And I've, I've got three books on the go at the moment, um, oh. that I've, One, I was halfway through already, uh, which I love because it's a a little paperback that I've got. And when I travel, I take it with me. But I'm one of those kind of people, I can't read more than a chapter at a time. I seem to fall asleep. I don't know what what it is, whether it's the the actual action of my eyes moving back and forth across the page. I don't know, but it sends me to sleep. But so I'm (laughs) taking rather a long time to finish um, Barry Humphrey's biography. And uh, it's, it's a good book, though, because it's quite funny, because it's, it's called My Life As Me. And it, I can hear his voice as I read it. And some of the anecdotal you know stories are very funny indeed. And so I'm reading that. I'm also reading Hugh Vickers. A friend of mine gave it to me for my birthday. It's um, a book called The Sphinx. And it's all about the Duchess of Marlborough. I've only just mm. begun that, but I, I think it's going to be quite interesting. And then a friend of mine brought me this. It's rather apt right now because as I go for a walk in the park, it's um, by this chap called Jonathan Drory and it's called Around the World in 80 Trees. And uh, so now we've got the time to, well, not only look out of the window at them, but I can walk around the beautiful park. And try and identify the trees because, again, something I might have learned in the brownies years ago, but certainly can't remember now. I was in the brownies, but I never flew up to be a girl guide, I'm afraid. No, you had to fly up, and I never made it.
0: (laughs) Brilliant. Oh, how did you meet Andrew Lloyd Webber? Was it when you? Uh, Did you have to audition for... um, Well, I think the first
1: time I ever encountered Andrew Lloyd Webber was for an audition for Jesus Christ Superstar Mm. in the 70s, early 70s. And um, they asked me if I would understudy Mary Magdalene. And uh, having understudied in hair prior, a couple of years before... It was so traumatic and so frightening to be thrown on without rehearsal. And indeed, I was thrown on to understudy for a role that I wasn't an understudy for. So I didn't know the role at all. I just had had, uh, miraculously learned it by osmosis by hearing it night after (laughs) night. But it was so um, terrifying to me, this this, uh, understudy behavior i just thought this is not for me i can't this is never going to work for me i can't do it so when they asked me if i would understudy for mary i said well no i don't think so and then the other thing was i thought if you become an understudy then you never ever get to actually play the role they always pass over you for somebody else so i i wouldn't do that but uh, so i was in the chorus of jesus christ superstar but that's where i first auditioned for andrew and tim rice and uh, but then of course Many years later, or at least eight or nine years later, when I auditioned again for Edita, And then, of course, I got to to meet them up close and personal, as it were, um, because I must have done, I don't know, eight or nine auditions. for uh, Back and back and back, every time I had to go back, and every time I went back wearing the same dress. (laughs) <laughs> the same pair of shoes <laughs> but that pulled my hair up, you know, in the hope that um, yes. they would remember me from last time. If I wore the same thing, I thought they might, might, you know, they might remember me. Which they, well, they did. They obviously did. They <laughs> did. They did. Luckily, yes. Yeah. So many years later, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this on a podcast, but many years later, you can always edit it out if you think it's too rude. But um, how? Well, how Prince said to me. Um, he said, "I always remembered you from those auditions for Evita," and I said, "Did you?" I was rather amazed it, to hear this. "Did you?" Why is that? He said, "Because I always remember you. Always wore the same dress and your hair in the same." Way. He said, "But the thing I remember most was that those fuck me shoes." <laughs> and I said, "I beg your pardon." And I wore these shoes. They were great big, sort of platform heels at the time, and because um, it was in the seventies, and they, you know, you had the 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 thing that the, the ankle strap those, those... I remember those shoes he said <laughs> so, have you still got uh, I probably have somewhere in storage oh. they were bottle green and they were um, metallic metallic leather well, bottle everyone. green shoes well, and, obviously I, and I had a bottle green leather uh, three quarter length collarless leather jacket uh, again you know it was the um, well you had to be a mod or a rocker didn't you
0: yeah, I, I wanted to be a mod? a mod.
1: I was. A I mod. was a mod. See, another thing connects us.
0: I know. I know. I remember talking about that. I used to make because you had to wear. It was like a uniform. Yes, it you was had a to uniform. Wear the You're right. right thing. Yeah. You. You didn't want to be individual. You know. No, you wanted to be you part were, of the. I game. mean, I must. I must looked like olive oil because I can remember. <laughs> no, because I was so skinny, yes. and I can remember there was one summer where. Everyone was in grey pleated skirts below the That's knee. That's right. Hush puppy shoes. Yeah. Can you imagine my legs in hush puppies? <laughs>
1: Hilarious. Oh,
0: my goodness. But we did have fun. Yeah, it was a
1: great... I mean, weren't we lucky, really, to live through that era, I think? Yeah, absolutely. I
0: mean,
1: there was everything going on then. We had wonderful music coming out of everywhere, Liverpool particularly. Um, yep. Then the, then there was the Beach Boys and that wonderful, yep. you know what I mean? All those different... It was kind of surf surf music, music, surfing music, Surfing music, exactly. It
0: went on to people uh, like the Eagles. Yeah. I mean, the music. And then hour. we had
1: you and the modelling era and uh, Bieber, Bieber.
0: Oh, Barbara, Barbara. Hoolenick,
1: one yes. of my oldest friends. And Bieber. Oh, she, she, she changed, changed the, the fashion world. world. You changed the modelling world and the fashion world. Um we had the hairdressers, didn't we? Lulu married. Yeah, absolutely. And it was all dark, wasn't it? And the the, uh, the, the stands with the hats on and the clothes all hanging off stands. It was so individual and fresh and new and innovative that we'd never seen anything like it. It was like a, a mini department store of modern clothes that you thought, wow, this is for us, for our... Our age group. It was. I
0: know. Just well, it was fantastic. before I was discovered, and I used to. I had a Saturday job. I was a schoolgirl, but I had a Saturday job at the hairdressers where my sister. Oh, worked. so did I. I had a Saturday job at <laughs> <laughs> I used to wash people's hair and pick up the pins. Me <laughs> too. <laughs> That's hysterical. Uh, so I used to save up my my tips you know because they'd give you sixpence or a shilling if you wash the hair and I'd save it up for about a month and then in a, in a in a lunch hour me and the other junior girl would get on the tube in Queensway and go two stops to High Street Ken and run down the road because we only had an hour and go into Bieber and buy a dress because you could get a dress for £2.50 yeah. couldn't you and I always remember because they had feather boas That's everywhere right. and And beautiful lamps and playing music. I mean, shops didn't play music in those days. And all the sales girls were gorgeous, weren't they? And all beautifully made up. And the floppy hats, they are. Huge brimmed floppy hats. Oh, I mean,
1: it was such a creative, artistic time to be young and to be free. Well, we were the first teenagers, really, weren't we, when you think of it? We really were. I mean, there wasn't such a thing until then. And we were the first. You know, and the, scooters, know. the guys on the scooters and the mods. You know, you had to have a a, a Lambretta,
0: didn't you? Yeah. Well, I was net. My mum and dad wouldn't let me go on the back of one, no. but we all used to watch the boys go by. There was one lead one lead guy in the place where we used to go as as um, on a Saturday night. It was like a club above a Burton's thing. <laughs> we, we saw people like Eric Clapton and uh, and, um, and uh, Eric Burden and the Animals. Yes. I mean, amazing, amazing people. There, there was this mod guy, I can't remember his name now, but all the girls loved him, and he would sit outside the club in on his scooter, kind of Reving it up, it like, a, like a peacock. A <laughs> uh, big, wore great, you know, those high-necked pink gingham shirts and the and other the flowery clothes.
1: shirts the boys used to have, didn't yeah. they? Those lots of flowers. I think Andrew Lloyd Webber still yeah. got some in his wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> Oh <laughs> no, it was a wonderful, wonderful era to be
0: young and free. It was. Yeah. We were very, very, very lucky. Mm-hmm. Now I I've always wanted to ask you that you have recorded some of the most famous, wonderful songs ever written. Songs from Avito, Memory, Don't Cry for Me, Argentine. Have you got a favourite? Um oh It's always
1: difficult, really, to answer that. I mean, when I was in Evita, I mean, it it was one of those things, whatever show I was in at the time, that was my, they they were my favourite songs to be singing at the time. But I think probably the ones that still stand out to me and that I never, ever tire of singing amazingly, and I must have sung some of these songs thousands and thousands of times now since... um, the beginning, you know, since those early musicals that I was in all those years ago. Uh, Obviously, Don't Cry For Me, Argentina, is one that I never tire of singing it. And every time I sing it, I remember the rehearsals that I had with the great, late Hal Prince, who was directed. And I remember every time I sing it, he comes into my mind and those early bars of music, Before I begin to sing, he said, "He's he's, one of his directions to me was make sure at this point that you look down on the audience, even though you won't be able to see them individually. They think you are looking at them." He said, "Individually, look down at them and pick people out and stare them out." And he he tried to remind me that even though it's a beautiful melody, he said, "Forget about the beauty of the the melody of the song." He said, "Really, it's in essence." A political speech, and I want you to think of it in those terms, and I want you to connect with individuals in the audience and try and hammer home your point of view, as if you were a great uh, politician and you're giving a a, a political speech of your life. And um, I must say that uh, as I've grown into the song, all these songs, the longer you live with them, you know, they become like a pair of old pair of slippers or something you get to know them so well, excuse the pun, um, <laughs> but you know one is always learning, learning a new take on how to deliver the the lyric, and uh, so that's one that will always stand out to me and, and remain to the forefront of my yeah. the ones that I love to... And I, to have, I hope
0: everyone caught your little Twitter. Yes version oh, of it that is don't cry for me brilliant. i'm the cleaner which of course i, I have you. truly become
1: well oh, me too
0: i'm really i'm really good at ironing oh now. no
1: i haven't <laughs> gone there i can't go there oh no i'm washing and i'm cleaning i love cleaning i am and i do sing don't cry for me i'm the cleaner as i'm dusting and things but i
0: if if People haven't seen it. Go onto Twitter, onto Elaine's page. It's truly brilliant. It's just a silly piece of nonsense. But that one stands out to me. But the other one, of course, is memory. And
1: uh, that will always be something special to me because luckily for me, I was the first to ever sing it at all. It's your song, it is, Elaine. I can't yes, I am quite protective of it. I feel like it's my signature song. If one should be lucky enough to have one, I think that is mine. And um I never tire of singing that either. And again, the older I the older I get the more it makes sense. <laughs> you know
0: what I mean. And it is your song because as you say lots of people have recorded it. But they ain't got it on you, honey. Yeah the other
1: one of course is I know him so well because um that, that's one of my favourite songs. That, you know, that was a number one hit for me and Barbara Dixon, mm, and so the nice. only one I've ever had, but uh, it was special because of that. And Wasn't
0: memory a number
1: one? No. I think I'm it was amazed. about number five or three or something.
0: Wow. I'm absolutely amazed. I know him so well. It's one of the, one of the great songs ever.
1: Well, it's one of those songs from a musical that uh, I mean, extraordinary, really, when you think about it. A musical theatre song getting to number one is pretty outrageous. I don't know that it's been done since either. Come to that,
0: I don't think um,
1: it has. But it uh, it is something rather special, and clearly something that, uh, because of its subject matter, something that connected with with people out there. Which made them go and buy it, I guess, yeah. Exactly.
0: And you were in Chess, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. How long yeah. did
0: you
1: do it for? Oh, my goodness. Well, I was, you know, around its inception. Um, Tim wrote it for me, really, because yeah. I I was hoping to go to Broadway with Evita and, um, and then hoping to go with Cats. And I didn't go with either show for reasons... Uh, they say was to do with uh, equity which of course today have all changed completely But so he said to me, I've got to get you to Broadway I'm going to write a musical for you well that in itself is unheard of Uh, even then and today even more so, nobody writes musicals for people anymore as in the old days they did for Ethel Merman and And so on. It just Mm -hmm. doesn't happen today. And uh, so chess is something that's very special to me because it was written with me in mind and uh, um, And again, though, I didn't get to Broadway with it. The irony of it is, even though that's what Tim's aim was.
0: They were all so strict in those days, weren't they? Well, they
1: were and yeah but actually in that case I was I was it was you know I was lucky really not to go with it because it, it was a disaster and didn't run for more than a matter of a few performances so um every cloud has a silver lining
0: what what when it opened in New York you mean oh that's yeah. interesting they
1: changed it Trevor Nunn altered the uh, text and uh, the storyline uh. quite considerably and uh Changed the work. set design, everything about it. It lost a great deal, I think, in its mm. presentation, in its production values. And, so I, uh, I,
0: I was lucky, really, then, because I, I haven't, I didn't come to London with my one and only. But we originated the musical I did in the eighties on Broadway. So I was very lucky that I was allowed to do it, actually.
1: You were were you living was, over there at the time?
0: Yeah, I was well, living. Well, maybe that there. had something to yeah, do with it. Yeah, maybe. I think. Yeah. You
1: know, you were already over there and possibly yeah, and you were working with Tommy. With Tommy, Tommy and Tommy
0: was like the king of Broadway at that's the time. That's right.
1: So that you <laughs> so you, you had a lot of help in that respect. I had a lot of
0: help, honey.
1: You know, yes. well, no, you were working with, you know, the the best of the best. Yes.
0: Of and uh, same as I mean,
1: living there, it must have that must have helped. Yeah. But I got there eventually with Sunset Boulevard. That's Some right. 18 years later wow. it took me to get there, but I got there in the end. So There is
0: something magical about appearing on magic.
1: Absolutely. It is And a- there's something about performing for an audience that is not of your own country. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know, they seemed to appreciate me quite a lot when I was there, and I think probably because they'd heard about me for so yeah. many years, well for 18 years with Evita and Cats and chess, and that, and that I'd never performed on Broadway. So by the time I got there, luckily for me, they kind of already knew who I was through through the recordings, through the albums. So to actually kind of see me in the flesh, I suppose, for them was, um, it was, anyway, all I know it was it was worth the wait for me, because as you say, there is something very special about those audiences. They're very... Yeah, I... um, if they, like, they? if they
0: love you on Broadway, they really yeah. love you. But on the opposite side, if they don't like you, they, <laughs> we had a friend who opened in a straight play, quite a well-known actor, I won't say his name, but he, he'd he gone out, this is about 20 years ago, and he opened in a play and they, they did the opening night. They went to Sardi's, which is the restaurant you go to on opening night, and they were all drinking champagne and whatever and, you know, very up and high. And the reviews came out about midnight and the producers were over in the corner and suddenly they shut the bar. They were taking their champagne glasses away because they got slaughtered in the reviews and they all had a, a plane ticket at their hotel to go home the next day. No.
1: Wow. a true story. Isn't that awful? <laughs> oh, that is terrible. <laughs> oh. Well, I've known a couple in my life that, that have – not been successful but it was early on in my career and um, but I've never known anything quite that Yeah, yeah uh, that, was, that was
0: pretty cruel, pretty cruel. So we're both associates of the Mountview Drama oh, yes. Academy Theatre School and I just wondered how you got involved. It's a wonderful, wonderful drama school isn't it and now they've got this new building in Peckham and I know you've been very supportive of them, and you know we try and help as much as we can uh, because it 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 does provide the West End with a lot of musical performers. I think most most shows in the West End that are musical, the kids come from Mountview, a lot of them.
1: They do. Mountview does seem to be able to um, they bring in young students that they seem to tap into a certain talent don't they Mm -hmm. and are able over the three-year course that Mm -hmm. these young students take in musical theatre or drama or whatever it is they're they're taking um they really do manage to spot talent in these young people right off right off the bat and are able to nurture this talent over this period of time yes i i don't i can't quite remember how i became involved with them i think possibly um it was some years ago, I think I went and gave a sort of a masterclass there and talked about singing and uh, stagecraft and so on and so Well, forth. you
0: are the First Lady of British Musical <laughs> Theatre, darling. <laughs> <laughs> so they were very lucky to get you. My God, they must have been so excited. Well, it was fun and it
1: was something that I never really thought I'd ever had the confidence to do myself, you know, to, to be able to uh, express... Or tell anybody anything of any use. I, I've just sort of muddled through in my own career, so I never actually believed I could do it. But I thought, well, I'll give it a go, and I went along and and actually found, uh, I found out something about myself that I actually really rather enjoyed being able to, and had a lot of tips and things that I could pass on to them, which was just wonderful to be able to unburdened myself, if you like, of all these various things I'd learned along the way in my long career um, that were apparently useful to them. And, um, and indeed, latterly, some time ago, a few years ago, uh, they gave me a doctorate, which was jolly nice Aww, of them. And so I went along and accepted that. Of course, it was with great honour to be a uh, Given such a thing, and then just quite recently, I've uh, created or they've created a bursary uh, for a student there. I'm going to um, be able to support a young student that possibly couldn't afford to go there under their own means. They've created a bursary in my name, so I'm I'm really pleased about that as well. That's
0: the wonderful thing about Mountview. They do if they think somebody's got the talent, they'll find the money somehow they will yes. not let that person well, then, go
1: which is brilliant. i i've said that i'll i'll uh you know i will do that i will i don't know what you call it
0: fund it fund it
1: yeah, yes I, fund suppose it, it. I will i'm going to fund that bursary for uh musical theater excellence in musical theater so oh, it'll brilliant. be interesting and it'll be wonderful for me as well because i'll be able to see and watch this person yeah. this particular person uh grow from their early beginnings of the course through to, to the end of the the course, Excellent. so it's
0: gonna it's gonna be
1: uh, yeah. beneficial on both sides. I think both for the student and for me personally. Yeah, oh,
0: it'd be amazing for them. Yes. Well, I have I, to tell I have to tell you, you gave my husband Lee the, one of the most magical times of his life. Do you remember on his seventieth birthday? And you actually, you sang happy birthday to him in the restaurant. I do. He talks, me, he tells everybody. <laughs> Elaine Page sang happy birthday to him. It was uh, amazing. You yes, I do remember doing
1: that. I'm quite partial to saying happy birthday to people because at least I remember the words to that. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: So are you out
1: clapping every Thursday night? I am out clapping every Thursday night, sadly alone, because I'm in a building where I don't think there seems to be anybody else. I stand out on this uh, balcony terrace here behind me and, uh, and clap away. I can see people coming and going in the park who aren't clapping, and I last Thursday I got a bit cross with them and said, come on. <laughs> Clap, put your hands together. Clap for these wonderful NHS staff who are saving all our lives. Why aren't you clapping? And people look up at me and, you know, mope off. And I, I got a bit uh, cross and called right. called uh, called out at them and said, you should be ashamed of yourselves. You should be clapping to be glad to be alive. Anyway, there I was completely exactly. ignored. But it's... I stood there clapping heartily myself, indeed. I mean, the work they are doing is just, well words fail, don't they, really, they do. for their they're, courage, they're so brave. their bravery, and their courage, and uh, commitment, and uh, 12-hour shifts, and it really is, they are really are on the front line with uh, worryingly, this this PPE thing going on and on and on. What? Where are where are our people in our factories now? That I know could be uh, instead of making well, whatever think, they're think why can't they be making PPE uh, yeah. for these people?
0: I think some of the fashion houses, I read yesterday, some of the fashion houses are, are switching to that, and that they, they really should, should be doing
1: it. If only we it, could, yeah. you know, get everybody uh, to be doing that in our own country and not relying on buying it in from outside. Uh, you know, a bit like a bit like. The women in the war went on the land, didn't they? The ladies exactly, of the land exactly. went and and, and organised the food while the men went off and fought and the women yep. went to the factories and made bullets and casings and all kinds exactly. of things. Well, we that's the kind of thing we need now. I, I think there
0: is the will out the there. The will is there,
1: but it doesn't seem to be... There's a missing, some missing link in the chain, isn't there, from the willingness of the people, which indeed, as you say, is there. Uh, but there's a link missing in in the the fruition and it getting to the people that need it, but wow, I mean, my heart goes out to them they are they are angels, all wow. of them angels
0: absolutely well on that note. I think I'd like to say thank you for joining yes. me for tea. Ooh. And when this is all over and we can get together, we will have property. We'll have property and a big hug. I'm desperate yeah, for a Big hug. hug. <laughs> I know. Me too. Oh, well, you've you got, got Lee. I, you've got, got, Lee. Lee. got Lee. I've got a huggy Lee. But, um, I'm missing my, my kids and my grandkids. And what about the new baby? He's gorgeous. Oh, He's what's so his name cool. again? Theo. And did Theo get the thing,
1: I, the little...
0: Uh, present, the gift. Did you post it? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I'll have to check. Oh, okay. It was a little... uh the post has gone a bit mad. Yeah. Well, it was just before all this happened.
1: So I think they would have got it.
0: Probably. But it's oh, a little check.
1: muffler thing, you know, like a little, a, a comfort blanket.
0: Oh, you are oh, sweet. Well, I Thank wanted it because I thought
1: you were coming over. You said I was going to give it to you to give to them. And and, it all uh, went well, I,
0: I only ever held him twice. Oh. The day he was born and then a week later. And I haven't seen, I can't see them. But obviously. you see him
1: on video, don't you? Oh, yeah. We Skype yeah, most ah, yeah, yeah. Oh, beautiful. Lovely.
0: It's lovely to see you, darling. We'll keep in touch. I'll talk to you soon. Yes. Lots of love. Love you lots. Au revoir. (laughs) I loved catching up with Elaine and hearing her stories of the numerous shows she starred in. And don't forget to listen to her fabulous Radio 2 show on musical theatre every Sunday afternoon. If you've enjoyed listening to Tea with Twiggy, please take a moment to give us a lovely five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people to find the show. If you haven't done so already, Please subscribe to this podcast so you auto-magically get the next episodes for free. And do tell all your friends and family about it too. If you want to connect with me, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at Twiggy, or you can find me on Instagram at Twiggy Lawson. My thanks go to all the people that have helped this podcast happen. Many thanks to James Carroll and all the team at North Bank Talent Management. Thanks to all the team at Stripped Media, including Ben Williams, who edits the show, my producer, Kobe Omanaka, and executive producers, Tom Wally and Dave Corkery. The music you can hear now is my version of Waterloo Sunset by The Kinks. If you'd like to hear the whole song, you can find it and all the other songs I've recorded on iTunes and Spotify. So check it out. I look forward to you joining me for my next episode. So see you then. Bye.